news. Open the search bar, Adarsh said in a mischief-laden tone. Okay, Brinder said cautiously. Search for AD slash special visitor, Adarsh said. Brinder typed the words into the search bar, which allowed the users of the social media app to find the latest AR filter. Adarsh looked on from the small video call window. on the top right hand corner of her screen Adarsh and Brinder had met at the Freshers Day Fest on their very first day of college and over the year their relationship had blossomed into something more than friendship Presently they were in their respective beds hiding underneath their bed sheets while messaging each other The blue glow of their screens shining through the blanket illuminated their dark rooms I know you like all that scary stuff. I hope this is not like that video you sent me the other day where the boogie woman jumped at the screen, Brinda said. Sweetheart, indulge me for a second. I designed this today on my laptop and I want your opinion on it, Adarsh said. You designed this? Brinda said as the small thumbnail for the filter featuring a green skull popped up. She sounded impressed. Yep, I'm a bit of a creative genius as you know, Adarsh boasted. Is that why you have been behaving a bit strangely over the last few months, Mr. Creative Genius? Brinda poked a tongue at him and clicked on the icon to download the filter. All right, for this to work, you will have to sit up and get out of the sheets, Adarsh said, ignoring her comment. She thought she detected an air of sadness about him. which streaked across his face and disappeared in the blink of an eye like a meteor dying in the night sky I knew from the beginning this was one of your scary pranks Brinda said sitting up and throwing off her bedsheet Hold it up so you can see your face and the space behind you he said She followed his instructions and allowed the effect to frame her and the darkness behind her This is a bit creepy. I'm going to switch on my bedside lamp, she said. No, he said vehemently, a trace of nastiness creeping into his voice. Ah, oh, the things I do for you, she said. And it is much appreciated, he responded. Again, the sadness in his eyes, Brinda thought. The AR filter was unremarkable in that it didn't cover her visage with designs or fill the screen with animations triggered by her holding up the phone to her face. In fact, the only feature that distinguished it from normal video capture was the green sheen on the live image, like a spread of algae on a temple pond. Nothing's happening, Brinda said as she watched the dark space behind her anxiously. Wait for it, Adarsh said. She thought she saw him turn his face to the left and say she's ready. She was going to ask him who he was speaking to when her eyes spotted movement. Something disturbed the sanctity of the darkness behind her. <laughs> 
something hunched over, like a dried up tree that had surrendered to heavy winds. It stalked forwards noiselessly at first. Then she heard the clattering and tinkling of adornments that graced its body. The sounds were not being issued by the phone's speakers. It was coming from behind her. She looked back and saw that there was nothing approaching her, only a patch of darkness immune to the phone's radiance. This is super creepy, Yar. You have outdone yourself, she said. Hold, Adarsh said, almost screaming. The beginnings of a humanoid form emerged from the shadows, illuminated by the display. A ribbed face sat atop a tall, lanky body, which was covered by a robe of living matter that pulsed with excitement. The cloak was decorated with adornments crafted in some maddening dimension, with skin and bones and dried-up plant matter. This is too scary, Adarsh. I am putting it down, she said. No, this is the best part, Adarsh said. The terrifying form behind her straightened up to its full ten feet height and its bejeweled body jangled as it sighed with pleasure. Brinda turned and saw the brutal magnificence of the thing that was no longer imprisoned within the four edges of her phone screen. She screamed, her final scream. Sharmaji was waiting for the number 43 to Bandra when he noticed Adarsh standing outside the bus shelter talking to himself. He knew Adarsh's family well. He had in fact studied BA Commerce with his father and they went on occasional treks to hill stations located in the green belt outside of the city. Sharmaji pushed through a group of people waiting underneath the iron and glass canopy and moved closer to where Adarsh stood, addressing his concerns to thin air. You know her mother found her corpse in the morning when she went to give her tea. I don't even want to think, Adarsh said. I've read in the papers that her mouth had opened so wide with fear that her jaw had broken in multiple places. And her eyes. They said it was bulging out of her sockets. He said before abruptly turning to the right and looking at someone incredulously. You didn't tell me this is what you were planning. He paused and then said, I always knew. I didn't. 
This was not how I imagined. He stopped as if someone had interrupted his speech. Yes, I did promise to help you. But Brinda... Adar wiped a stream of tears cascading down his cheeks. Sharmaji was shocked to hear this exchange, but did not intervene. He made a mental note to call Adarsh's father first thing that evening when he got home. Either the kid had lost his marbles, or he had become a victim of the drug epidemic sweeping the schools and colleges in the city. Adarsh was so tired he could sleep for days. The presence of his evil fellow passenger, now invisible, drained him of his vitality and energy throughout the day. Nevertheless, he fought his body to stay awake. He didn't want to sleep because he knew what would come next. In the dream state, the entity would have absolute control over him. It would stand beside him the whole night whispering malevolent instructions, subliminal orders for him to execute in his waking hours. His slave mind was nurtured and emboldened. A deep sorrow ached in his heart when he contemplated his condition. Just before he jumped into bed, he saw his face in the mirror. A gaunt sketch of what was once a youthful face. Hopelessness pooling like dark ink wells in his deep-set eyes. Brinda, his poor Brinda. The creature had made him so weak that he had handed her over to it without any resistance to fulfill its darkest desires. He cursed his frailty. He cursed the freshest year camping trip. He cursed the moment he decided to sneak out of the tent with some friends at night and scaled a gate that warned no entry, sacred sight. He got separated from his group in the darkness and wandered onto a grove where a funeral was in progress. He hid behind a rock and watched the otherworldly ceremony with fearful eyes. Giants, ten feet tall, pale white beings with hellish features, dressed like shamans and playing arcane musical instruments to appease the parting spirit. They danced around the funeral pyre where the body of their brethren burned away, spitting fluorescent motes of fire into the air. The sight shook Adarsh to the core. The wrongness of the tunes and the sickening dance steps of the fearsome beings turned his legs to jelly. After mustering every ounce of courage, he turned to run only to knock down a pile of rocks. 
His clumsy act drew the attention of the ogreish beings. Pounding, thundering footsteps raced after him. Before he could escape into the thick tree line, massive cold hands with spindly fingers latched onto his shoulder. It ragdolled him and whipped him around and made him see things. A covenant was forcibly made, and the horror that had enslaved him followed him to the world of humans. Even that terrifying memory from months ago couldn't keep sleep at bay. Adarsh sank into darkness. The creature had slipped beside him without making a sound. It bent and murmured in his ears. Adarsh's father, Rishi, couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned in his bed as he played the conversation with Sharmaji in his mind. He has been acting a little bit aloof and strange since he came back from his fresher's excursion. But I attributed it to his age. You know how boys are, Rishi had said. Sharmaji insisted that what he saw went beyond Rishi's simplistic characterization. A psychological issue or drug use, he had opined. The speculation sent a dagger through Rishi's heart. Adarsh had changed since his trip to Dow Hills in Darjeeling a couple of months ago. He mostly kept to himself. An air of dread and melancholy seemed to hang over him at times, which he masked with distractions as soon as his responsible and attentive parents confronted him. The papers were full of reports of fathers and mothers who had missed signs like this before, only to find their child hanging from a fan. Why hadn't he taken it so seriously before? Rishi wondered. He was ashamed that a family friend had drawn his attention to something that should have attracted his close scrutiny. Bhagwan, he muttered as he threw off his blanket and jumped to his feet. His bedroom was on the ground floor and Adarsh slept in his room in the first story of the middle-class home, which was a carbon copy of other whitewashed abodes in the urban sprawl. Rishi negotiated the darkness of the house carefully and climbed the granite stairs. Darkness and faint light from a street lamp created shadow plays on the walls that described a terrible battle between warriors of light and the monstrous denizens of the abyss. He was about to step onto the landing when he heard whispers coming from Adarsh's room. All manners of possibilities invaded Rishi's thoughts. Who was his son speaking to? Was he ordering drugs at night? 
He froze and listened closely. The content of the incessant stream of murmurs was unclear. He tiptoed towards Adarsh's room and opened the door slowly and deliberately. Rishi peered into the gloom with bated breath. He was expecting to see the glow of a mobile phone screen. Where was that whispering sound coming from? At first, his eyes, which were just adjusting to the darkness, failed to notice the dark shape that stood next to Adarsh's bed. The muted muttering stopped. Rishi's heart was in his mouth. After a few moments, his brain made out the shape of a hunched figure which had its mouth pressed to Adarsh's ears. His son's eyes were wide open with terror, but Rishi could tell he was not awake. Huh? A sound which was a mixture of fear and revulsion involuntarily emerged from his mouth. The darksome outline snapped in his direction and then reared up to its full height, which nearly met the ceiling. With a lightning pace that could only be attributed to some swift predator of the savannas, the creature was upon him. What Rishi saw broke his mind. A giant humanoid entity with tree bark skin, lanky limbs and globes of white for eyes grabbed his arms and peered at him. Its terrifying maw with needle-like teeth parted to reveal several tiny cylindrical tongues coated with substances that reminded him of amber that oozed out of certain trees. Trinkets made from dried wood, creepers and dead insects hung on its awful frame like offerings to pagan gods from the beginning of time. Its clean-shaven head and albino chest featured tattoos of mandalas composed of botanical designs interspersed with drawings of human bones. Desiccated human fingers pierced the flaps of its ears to form morbid earrings. The cylindrical flesh tubes emerged from its mouth and the creature used it as an instrument to form petrifying words. Your boy saw what he wasn't supposed to see. Now you have followed his path. And for that reason, you must suffer the same consequences, it said. Uh, uh. Rishi offered as warm piss flowed down the sides of his legs and saturated his pants. 
The being pushed its egg-like eyes against Rishi's open eyes until their surfaces made contact with each other. Then it showed him a series of visions that left him trembling. In a flash, Rishi's mind became a screen for the creature's painful memories. The being beamed its past and its intent through its psychic powers and seared Rishi's mind with sights that paralyzed his mental faculties. Rishi saw that all the archaeological ruins he had been to had been the abode of the creatures like the one intruding his mind's functions. They were falsely attributed to Indian kings of the past. A falsehood perpetrated across centuries to keep a horrifying truth away from future generations. He saw tall monstrosities like the one that stood before him, commanding a prosperous empire where humans were no more than slaves. He saw the cruelty these overlords practiced and the barbaric punishments they meted out to those who did not fall in line. Babies dashed against walls, men torn from limb to limb, women skewered like meat with sharpened spears and left to rot in the sun. All the while, the crafting of the beautiful monuments to honor the sun and the moon continued. Suryavanshis and Chandravanshis were nothing but two familiar lines of the creatures that took turns to rule this empire of riches and brutality. He saw monstrous priests standing atop tall stupas dedicated to elder gods, chanting and manipulating glowing balls of ethereal light with their unnaturally long fingers. He saw these same wizards using their psychic powers to control and subjugate human slaves who dragged rocks and logs yoked to their backs. The image flashed to a noontime eclipse that darkened the landscape. Night overpowering day. Some terrible omen that sent a wave of panic through the vile beings. While the monsters were frozen with terror, their human subjects rose and rebelled. They lopped off their heads with crude tools or strangled them with the chains used to imprison them. Wave upon wave of the human slaves crashed against the military might of their former rulers. Bodies were felled like overly ripened fruits, but the slaves won the day through sheer force of numbers. The vision shifted to a ceremony held in a grove. They saw a human king at the spear tip of a mass of humanity, accepting the crown from the master of the defeated creatures. Words were shared. A covenant was made. The pale things would live far away from the gaze of man and woman, in the shadows, in the mountains. Should anyone seek out and witness their glorious forms, they would consider that a breach of the agreement and attempt to come back to the world they had once lost. Their fates sealed with wax, they entered the woods sulking and weeping. Their magnificent empire of sandstone palaces were lost forever. Handed over to those who had bowed to them for generations. Some of the priests looked back at the cheering humans with disgust. 
some mouthed a desire for revenge. Now, do you understand what you have done? The creature said. What did you do to my son? Rishi asked, his words slurring. Rishi smelled the fetid breath of the creature as it responded to his query and dry heaved. Exactly what I am about to do to you. It had been four months since Adarsh's suicide. He had slit his throat and wrists with a razor blade and bled to his death in the bathtub while his parents were away on a pilgrimage. Sharmaji was happy to accompany his good friend Rishi on a trek to the hills and fulfill a grieving mother's request. Rishi was the first one to discover the dead body and the traumatic event had mentally shattered him. Rishi's psychologist had recommended long walks in nature as a way to heal his mind. Please, Sharmaji, your company and this trip will do him a world of good, she had said. Rishi seemed to be doing well as they trekked the forest path that wound around the hill. He did not display any signs of his inner turmoil. He seemed excited to reach the top and gaze onto the blanket of clouds that hid the valley below. His grief comes in waves, his wife had said. Sharmaji took his friend's upbeat mood as a positive sign. He was glad he organized the outing. That was the least he could do after what the poor man had gone through. Truth be told, Sharma was not in the best shape of his life and the steep path was taking a toll on his ankles. So Sharmaji was glad when Rishi called for a break when they arrived at a winding, heavily forested section of the path. It was off-season and they had not encountered a single soul on their way up. Sharma appreciated not having to deal with rowdy tourists while trying to enjoy the serene surroundings. Sharma and Rishi placed their backpacks on the floor and both of them sat on a fallen log and drank water from their plastic bottles. Grey clouds hid the blue sky and dampened the quality of the light filtering through the lush foliage, giving the mid-afternoon an air of melancholia. An ominous bird call rose from somewhere in the east as a faint drizzle wetted the exposed parts of their body. You could see why these months were considered off-season. They had packed rain gear in case things got too wet, and Sharmaji was not too bothered by a spot of rain. He had always enjoyed them from his childhood days. This is a good spot, Rishi remarked. For what? Sharma asked. Resting, Rishi said with a smile. However, I want to show you something. Rishi pulled out his mobile phone and opened the camera app in selfie mode. We are too old to take buddy selfies, Yar, Sharma said laughing. 
we are not going to be taking selfies. Rishi said, I have heard lots of supernatural stories surrounding this forest and I read on the internet that on this particular spot, if you switch on your camera in selfie mode and hold it up, you will be able to see fairies behind you. Nonsense, Sharma said incredulously. No, it is true. I have seen the photographic evidence. You will see the fairies. Yet, when you turn back and look with your own eyes, you will not see them, Rishi said with a mock flourish. It is your medication talking, Sherma blurted. He immediately raised his hand and said, uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to mock your treatment. No, no, it's okay, Rishi said. Everybody knows. Nothing to be ashamed of. Sharma put his hand around Rishi's shoulders, offering him support. Here, indulge me, Rishi said, handing over the phone to Sharma. Sharma gave him an amused look before grabbing the phone and lifting the screen up to his face. He studied his aging features and the section of the forest behind him. Rishi whistled a happy tune as he looked at the desolate surroundings, wondering if his friend's screams would be carried by the wind through the trees and all the way down to the valley. A still darker cluster of clouds dimmed the ambient light further, but the slight drizzle had died down. When Rishi glanced back at Sharma, he saw the man agitatedly studying the screen before turning around and surveying the landscape at his rear. His eyes grew wider with fear as he continued this ritual. What? What? What is this? He questioned his friend. Rishi gave him a serene smile. The dreadful call of that strange bird returned. It appeared to be closer now. Sharma dropped the phone to the ground and leapt to his feet. It is futile, Rishi said wistfully, even as Sharma was slammed back down onto his seat by a figure that Rishi had come to accept as a master for a while now. The wooden trinkets on its body rattled furiously as the being struggled with Sharma who was screaming in abject terror. The awful noise stopped when the creature pinned and stretched out Sharma's body like a corpse being prepped for dissection. It sent its bundle of cylindrical tongues up his nose and into the cavities of his skull, looking for the seat of his soul. Horrendous sucking noises filled the air as Sharma gurgled and choked like a waterboarding victim. Rishi didn't wait for his friend's body to go limp. He rose to his feet, picked up his belongings and continued up the winding track. He wanted to see if the wonderful sights the tourist brochures had promised at the top of the hill would meet his expectations. Probably not. It would certainly pale in comparison to the things the being had shown him. 
Oh, the things he had witnessed with his mind's eye. Maybe, just maybe, if he leapt off the hilltop and flew above the clouds like a bird, he might see some special sights. Yeah, it was time to do just that. Fly. Thanks for listening to Indian Noir. Click the follow button on your Spotify app or Spotify desktop software. You can also take a sneak peek at how the show is produced and my life and my interests via my social media channels. I am at Indian Noir on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs>